Growing up is hard, and moving from the teen years to adulthood might be one of the hardest transitions of all. Most of us made plenty of mistakes along the way, and maybe sometimes we tried to grow up a little too fast. You wouldn't think the same thing would happen in entertainment. I mean, once something is made, it is what it is. It's not like a scary but mostly clean book for teens would become a gory, wildly age-inappropriate bloodfest when it's made into a movie, right? Turns out, it just might. Hi, I'm Paul Acey, and I'm filling in for Adam Holtz this week. And I'm kind of excited about it. Why? Because we're going to be talking about what happens to teen books when they hit streaming services. And along the way, we'll be touching on some interesting questions. One, what are these streaming services even thinking? Two, in our age of streaming entertainment, do ratings even matter? Three, and most critically, what can parents do? Joining me today are... Jonathan McKee. Kristen Smith. And Bob Hoos. All right. We are using teen books as a springboard for our conversation today. And it's a well-known cliche that the book is always better than the movie. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But that's not always true. So I wanted to ask y'all, when has a movie been better than the book? I don't feel like I should go first, even though I'm already talking, what? but I'll try. <laughs> yeah, no, it's too late. You're totally You're there. Totally you have to go, go now. You're go stuck. Okay, guys, I couldn't really think of a lot of teen examples. Like, this was hard for me. Oh, yeah. But I'm just yeah. going to do a book to a show. So, yeah, yeah. sorry. That works. Yeah. So, I actually, I love Virgin River. This is no surprise to anybody. But I read the book because I was really interested after I watched the first season. And it's garbage. <laughs> it is. I mean, the writing is terrible. I just, I couldn't even get into the characters. And it's not because I watched it first. I, I really, like, detached myself. But I tried, and I'm like, no. And there's actually more content in the books than in the show, which That's I was. That's interesting. It, yeah. That's I, really I, surprising. Yeah. So it was really interesting. Yeah. And the, th- and the first thing that comes to mind for me isn't um, necessarily a teen book either. I, I hearken back to uh, a fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen. Mm, the Little Mermaid. Oh. I would say that the Disney version of The Little Mermaid is actually... Head and shoulders better than the original uh, fa- fairy tale. I don't well, know I've never read it. I don't even know if you read it, but it's a little darker. It's basically the same story, uh-huh. and it's a little deeper. There's more to think through in that huh. version, but uh, but hey, the Disney version has music and bouncy tunes. So and fun! You can tap your fin to it. And all that, so. <laughs> so I'd go with that. Oh my gosh, that's funny. I when you said uh, Hans Christian Andersen, I thought you were going to go with. Ugly Duckling, which made me think, well, what? Is he going to do, like, Roxanne was <laughs> for Ugly Duckling? I mean, because there's so many, anyway, interesting stuff. And, of course, you know, this is a good opportunity to do a shameless plug for episode 62 of the Plugged In show because we actually had an entire episode that was titled The Book Was Way Better Than the Movie, and we had a fun conversation. <laughs> this. And I can't remember. I'm sitting there racking my brain to remember what, because we talked about this, and I'm like, which movie? I'm choose? sure I said this because the movie that just is way better than the book, and the book is good, um, but is Jaws. I mean, I'm Jaws. sorry, just Jaws, you know, Spielberg's Ooh. movie that just started him, and uh, yeah, it's and the book is good, but the movie's better. Mm. You know, I can't believe that no one took my pick. I was sure I even had another pick in reserve, but I'm huh. going to say, I'm going to say Lord of the Rings. 
Ah. No, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I <laughs> absolutely. thought about I thought about that this morning before I came. I was going to use that example, but then I thought, no, it's. Just, I mean, it is so no, good, but it's not better. Yeah. Here's the thing with Lord of the Rings. Tolkien's great, right? Mm-hmm. But there's so much <laughs> elvish poetry. Okay, so that's part of the elvish goodness. Poetry. I don't think we can get into this. It's about to be a whole other podcast. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the, mo- the movies <laughs> take almost as podcast. much time as it takes to read the books, but. Uh... <laughs> Oh, man, I can't believe you just said that about my favorite movies. I don't know if your opinion can be wrong, but it is. But let's move on. All right. Speaking of books, speaking of movies, uh, we are talking today about R.L. Stein's uh, Fear Street books, Mm -hmm. along with the Fear Street movies just released on Netflix. There were three of them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an interesting thing because R.L. Stein... Very famous for his Goosebumps books. Mm-hmm. Fear Street was his attempt to move into a slightly more uh, mature audience. They were meant for teens instead of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they tended to be a little bit more graphic, a little bit scarier, all that sort of stuff. But but I I would imagine that they're probably not nearly as graphic as the movies are. You would imagine that? So, yeah. So, Mr. Bob Hoos, you are officially our book expert, and I know that you've read at least one of these Fear Street books. At least. At and least. you reviewed <laughs> two of the movies. Yeah. So, can you unpack a little bit about what the the books and the movies are really about? Hmm. Well, you know, the fact is that they're not related. Not directly oh, related. In other words, you won't pick up one of the books and have that story mm. and say, oh, okay, so this is the exact story that they translated in the movie. No, no, no. It's more of a, an idea, a concept. And some of the characters. Some of the characters are carried over from the book series. And first of all, the, we should say that there's like, I don't know. There's, I know there was 51 books in the initial uh, Fear series. Wow. But, the, but he's done a whole bunch of other little side series and yeah. spin-offs and all that stuff too so there's like tons and tons of books how he can write so much I, I don't he know. is a prolific man that's yeah. for sure but anyway the movies the movies are just take the heart of what rl stein wanted to create mm-hmm. and then they sort of blow it out in really nasty ways um and, and just to give an overview of the movies the, the it's a three movie series and it all centers on this little town called Shadyside, mm-hmm. a, a little town that has, we find out, been cursed from years, fact, actually from back in the days of 1666 when a witch, a wicked witch, was hung and she lopped off her hand and in that sacrifice created this curse that created a series of uh, mass murderers that popped up in this little town over the next uh, several hundred years. And the first film takes place in 1994. And this teen girl finds out that all the rumors and the whispers about a witch's curse are real. And it's all <laughs> tied back. And then each film sort of goes back in history. So the, it's, the first one's 1994, and then it jumps back to 1978, and then back to 1666. And we see how this curse has sort of woven its thread through all of the ages and all these deadly nasty things have happened and then we also find out that it is uh it's actually more than just a curse it's a deal that somebody made with the devil 
for human sacrifices throughout the ages. And, you know, and right there, it tells you that this is one of those films you want to gather the children (laughs) for just before bedtime. Let's watch this. Well, and that makes me really interested to hear what you have to say about how the content compares to from the books to the movies. Now, my guess is that the books were not quite as graphic as the movies. Would that be fair to say? Nowhere near. I mean, there were murders in Mm. the books. There were... There was, uh, you know, you had teens who were falling in lust and you had, uh, you had, you know, some creepy elements. You had ideas of witchcraft and things like that. But comparatively, the books are sort of like Berenstain Bear books, you know, (laughs) compared to these movies. The movies, the movies, they really pulled out the stops (laughs) to update, so to speak, everything in the nastiest ways. The language is incredibly foul all the way through. The uh, you've got pretty heavy sexuality, and it actually gets more and more sexual as you go through the series. And then you've got, uh, and that's both heterosexual and homosexual mm-hmm. sexuality. Because the main character, yeah, right, is, is is a lesbian who has a girlfriend, and we see actually th- see her throughout all three films, mm-hmm. and and their relationship represented there. And I'm guessing that that relationship wasn't part of the original series. No, right? no, 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 it wasn't. And also, it's just an incredibly gory. Yeah. gory set of films as compared to uh, the books yeah. That, that, yeah. They, that they sprung from. Kristen, you were the lucky person to review the oh, third yes. Fear Street movie. I know yep. how much you love horror movies. Would you Would you <laughs> concur with Mr. Hoos's assessment there? <laughs> I would, yeah. I actually feel really bad for Hoos that he had to watch two of them, but I, I, did, <laughs> <laughs> I did watch the third and... It was extremely demonic. Uh, There was a lot of gore, but the demonic activity probably, I think, was the most shocking to me. It was disgusting. And I was just sitting there the whole time thinking, first of all, I don't want to watch this. Second of all, (laughs) I don't know why other people are watching this. It's really awful. I mean, there's like incantations and they call upon the devil and demons and murder children. And I'm like, what is happening right now? So, yeah, it's interesting. It, it really brings to mind what I really wanted to ask, which is what was Netflix thinking when they turned these teen books into what sounds like these hard R movies? Right. What do you think the motivation was? Every time I see something like that, the only thing I can think of is let's beat Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, I, that's, I mean, really, like Game of Thrones was so insanely popular and it's known for its graphic content, right? Like extremely graphic content, probably not the demonic side as much. But every time huh, I see it, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just every time I see it, I think, man, they're just competing to see who can be the most mature. And I, I, I don't know. They may have won. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of sad because, you know, and I'm actually a fan of scary movies, but, you know, well done scary movies. You know, we talked about Jaws or uh, when we actually did a whole podcast episode. I guess this is the episode where we plug past episodes, but episode 48, <laughs> horror movies, the genre that just won't die. We actually talked about yeah. f- some fun, scary movies. And I talked about like uh, M. Night because I love him as a director and, um, and you know, probably one of my favorite scary movies is Signs with uh, Mel Gibson mm. and Joaquin oh, yeah. Phoenix. You know, really good one. You actually can watch as a family. Um, but it's interesting because it's not just scary movies that are growingly popular. It is 
movies about, you know, like The Conjuring and all this, you know, demonic witchcraft and really evil stuff. And it does seem sometimes like uh, they're each trying to trump each other. But the scary thing about this is, of course, this is all on a device that's in all our kids' pockets. And a lot of parents aren't putting controls on those devices. A lot of parents aren't putting controls on Netflix because there's so much good stuff that their kids can watch on Netflix. I'm being a little sarcastic. Um, but <laughs> we just need to realize that this is in our kids' back pockets. Yeah, I think that actually did surprise me that you that you said that, Jonathan, um, just the back pocket thing, because as I was watching it, I thought, this is accessible to anybody who wants to hop on here and watch mm -hmm. it. And I kind of wonder if Netflix, and not just Netflix, but a lot of these streaming services think, will teens be interested in this if it's not, you know, fill in the blank, if it doesn't reach this content level, because so many other things have reached the content level, um, and they're promoting them to teens, whether or not they're popular with teens, so. Well, if you think back, the Fear Street books, when they came out, they sort of considered a little subversive, mm. you know, in the sense that they had some edgy material that kids could be reading. Uh, and in a sense, if you then as a director are saying, okay, well, let's update this for today's teen, yeah. they'll make it even more subversive. And yeah. boy, these are. Yeah. So what the, they're really counting on is that maybe these teens have been desensitized over over the years, over the decades, yeah. where all of a sudden the things that might have shocked them when Fear Street books first came out, these movie makers, they yeah. believe that they need to take it a few steps farther. And let's face it, that's, might be truth to that's that. reality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact is that as we are immersed in this stuff over and over and over and over, you've got to step up another step, another, go to another level in order to get the same sort of thrill, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that surprises me when we talk about this is that you look at that show, all of these movies were rated R, right? Yeah. Or TVMA. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. And you see this again and again where, especially on Netflix, I think Netflix, they actually do do some very nice family-friendly stuff. But when you look at Shadow and Bone, you look at 13 Reasons Why, both of those were based on popular uh, teen books. They're TVMA, which means technically... Um, they need to be with a parent to watch yeah. them or should right. be with a parent yeah. to watch yeah. them. So is Netflix sort of talking out of both sides of their mouth in a way? What do you mean? In terms of, in terms of they're targeting teens, mm -hmm. but they're rating these things for adults. Well, I mean, I, I guess, yes. I think that's kind of the standard now. So I, again, I wouldn't give this just to Netflix. I think a lot of streaming services are doing this. Like, I know we always use this example, but there are a lot of episodes. I've had to watch a lot of Riverdale. Yes, you can feel sorry for me wherever you are listening. <laughs> and there are a lot of episodes that I'm like, this has to be above TV 14. I guess not with the language. And, and this is part of being desensitized, right? Like maybe it's not, but it feels like it as I'm watching it. Um, but yeah, I would say that they're creating mature content, expecting teens to watch well, as it's being marketed to them. It's a ratings creep yeah. in mm -hmm. a sense, because we do have all these streaming services and you don't have to worry about going to the box office and buying a ticket right. for, for an R-rated film. Yeah. Uh, you can just turn it on anytime you want. And in a sense, I think we are getting to this point where the people who are creating all these things think that it doesn't matter. You know, the ratings right. become non-existent in our mind. And that's the thing, though, that parents need to really open their eyes to, 
they need to realize that even if they see something that says Fear Street on it and they remember, oh, wait, my kids used to read those books. No problem. They've got to be aware there are, there can be content in there that they're not aware, that they're not in tune with. And, and there's some things parents can be doing. And I, I see really two activities that I wish I did a lot more of. And one is um, when, you know, obviously the world is always going to be full of lies like this. And so one thing we need to be doing is we need to be constantly pointing our kids towards truth. So I think, you know, one of the things we just really need to talk about is as families, we really should be in the word together. I actually was reading with my wife this week, uh, Colossians chapter three. And as I was reading, I was like, wow, how can you read this chapter talking about where we should be setting our minds on, on things above and not things of this earth. And then it got specific of some of the things that we should actually look out for and watch out for. And I thought, man, this is such good reading and such a good passage to read with our kids and then turn around and say, hey, so what are some examples of this? You know, what's it look like? You know, what's this look like today? And and it would be so cool to be able to have that dialogue with our kids. So that's one thing we could be doing, you know, okay. making sure that our kids are plugged into the truth. The second thing we could be doing, um, and the reason I mentioned the having the conversations with our kids is because I think that's far more important, but I think it's also good to just set some realistic blocks on our kids' devices. And the reason I put that second is because they aren't foolproof. You can set all the blocks you want on your kids' devices and they could go watch stuff on their friends' devices. But still, uh, it would be nice to, you, you can go into Netflix and you can make sure it's a password that your kids don't know. And you can actually go into each profile and you can click viewing restrictions. And there's this nice little kind of like slide bar that starts with TVY, then goes to TVY7, then TVG, then TVPG, then PG13, TV14, R, MA, NC17. I mean, there's the whole slide bar. So you could slide that puppy right back to TVG or TVPG or whatever you want there. And that'll help. It'll just help some of those distractions not be readily available right there. That doesn't mean that that does the parenting for you, and now you don't need to have conversations. But it's a help if you make sure that that's set on the devices in your house. Yeah, you can also do that directly on the device, not just on Netflix itself. You know, I mean, I think doubling up is wise, mostly because your kids are probably going to figure it out anyway. So <laughs> let's have the conversations and, and have some open trust because they're really smart. Uh, but you can set it on the device. You can set time limits. You can set age restrictions. You can do – I have an iPhone, and so I think – I think the usability is a little easier to maneuver, um, but I don't know with Android. I'm sure it's the same thing. There are plenty of apps that you can download. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, another thing that can be on parents' radar is the fact that uh, the beginning stages of discernment is understanding some of the basics about the things we're, we're feeding ourselves. Yeah. And one of the things that is a, a truth, a real truth, is the fact that Hollywood is a changer or a shaper of perception it really is mm -hmm. and we can't ignore that fact i mean we even stop and think about old movies about world war ii they made us believe that were that war was the most romantic war in the war ever in history mm -hmm. and but anybody who's ever been in war will tell you <laughs> there's not much romance yeah. when it comes to war that's good well, these kinds of films do the exact same thing, even in subtle ways. You start thinking about like the Fear Street films we were just, we've just been talking about. They've got this baseline of wild teenagers taking 
alcohol and drugs, even back to 1666, uh, wild teenagers having these sexual trysts, uh, foul language everywhere. That's the baseline. The norm. That's yeah. the norm. Mm -hmm. And then all the other things like those Bible thumpers who caused all the problems. Yep. They be, they're the ones that are the bad, real bad guys here. Okay. Now, I know that these are silly films, but they are in a way, if we're watching them, shaping our perception of what happened in the past and what's happening in the present. I like what you said about discernment. I agree with you. Um, it made me think of when I was growing up, I've never liked scary movies. That's not a surprise to anyone if you've heard me on any of these podcasts <laughs> talking about them. But when I was growing up, my parents had extremely like strict lines about what we were allowed to watch and what we weren't allowed to watch. And so I remember going with my friends, and I know this sounds naive and I I should have known. I didn't. It's interesting when you don't have the internet at your fingertips, which I really didn't growing up. I mm. didn't have a phone until I was 17. So when I was like, I think I was like 16 or 15, my friends invited me to go see The Grudge. Okay. I didn't know what that was. And I just was like, okay, sure. You know, so I tag along and we're 10 minutes into this movie and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know what this is. So I'm starting to panic. But in my head, I'm like, I am not going to be the one that gets scared while everyone's sitting here and be that weirdo that leaves, right? So peer pressure. So I, I sat through this whole thing terrified. To this day, the movie scares me. <laughs> but it's interesting because I remember I remember going to pay for it. I think it was a PG-13. I yeah, think I it was PG-13. So. Yeah, because so. we got in without a parent. But I remember some of my friends talking about how, you know, like what if they were to get in without a parent, that possibility. Well, Netflix now makes it, you know, accessible to anybody. So right. that the almost like fear, that healthy fear of like what will mom and dad say because they don't know that I'm watching this. It's a little more removed, but I agree with you. If we're talking about mm -hmm. discernment and we're setting boundaries and we're saying we're not doing this. And I think we need to do the why. And, and I always wanted to know as a kid, like my least favorite saying was because I said so. I'm like, that's ridiculous. I say it all the time as a parent now, but I want <laughs> to my three-year-old. But I want to know why. Like, let's have the conversation about why is this something we're not doing? Why is this not a family thing? My pastor um, a few weeks ago used a phrase that I really loved. He said, that's not um, the Duncan way. That's their last name for their family. And I'm like, I really, I like that. And I can hear myself saying it. My kid's getting so annoyed when they're older. They're like, that's not the Smith way, whatever. But <laughs> but it's such a, it's a cool way to say, like, as a family, it's okay if this friend is doing it. it that's their choice. But as our family, this is not what we're going to do. And this is why. I always think it's great when kids ask why. And I always try to, you know, encourage parents when your kids ask why, embrace that moment because the older our kids get, the less conversations they seem to want to have. <laughs> you know, they kind of like want to give the whatever and just, you know, get out of the room. So when our kids are like, why? What a great moment to be like, I'm so glad you asked. Let's talk about it, you know, and engage in a dialogue because we need to get to the why. Forget just the rules because I said so, yeah. you know, forget just the the block on the phone. Get to the why. And that's what Bob was uh, alluding to earlier when he says, you know, talk a little bit about what Hollywood is doing, you know, help our kids have an understanding of the way some of these lies work. And more importantly, where the truth really comes through, where Hollywood doesn't. Right. Yeah, I think um, one thing that I always say to my son, and I know he's really little, and 
parenting is only going to get more challenging. Please pray for me. Um, <laughs> every time he wants to do something that he's not supposed to do, I always say, buddy, what's my job? He goes to keep me safe. And it's like at this Aww. point where he's, it's a little annoying, but, and we just talk about like his responsibility is to keep his sister safe. But my responsibility and his dad's responsibility is to keep them safe. And that really goes for forever, but especially in teen years. And as they're growing and as they're being formed and shaped and molded by all these examples that they see, it's our responsibility, our God-given responsibility to keep our kids safe. I love that. Keep the kids safe. And I think today it's harder than ever in the world of entertainment. As we've we've just been talking about, when you have these ever-present devices with your kids all the time that they can see anything, parenting is just hard hard. Yes, it is. It's really <laughs> hard. And I think that a lot of what y'all have talked about, I loved the idea of putting some parental controls on the devices, on the streaming services. All those are so important, but it comes down to the conversations, right? It, like you say, Jonathan, it's about the why, diving into the why and telling kids why exactly you're making the choices that you are because that helps prepare them in the future to become discerning adults themselves and hopefully navigate this crazy entertainment world for their own kids. Thank you guys so much for joining in, Bob, Kristen, Jonathan. It's been a really fun conversation, I think. And and thanks to you, listener, for joining in as well. Um, it's been a thrill to have you with us um, and to show our gratitude We want to give you something that's way more family-friendly than Fear Street. For a gift of any amount, we'll send you Sarah McKenzie's excellent book, The Read Aloud Family, Making Meaningful and Lasting Connections with Your Kids. I'd almost like to do a whole episode on reading out loud to your kids. It's one of my favorite things that I did with my own kids. Uh, You'll find a link to order the book in our episode notes for the show, as well as in our plugged-in blog. And you can always call 1-800-A-FAMILY. As for us, you can always connect with us on our website at PluggedIn.com or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at PluggedInTeam. Thanks again for joining us, and I hope you'll do so again next week on The Plugged In Show. Plugged In.